Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Uh, Good to be with you all this morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Of course, if you don't have your Bibles with you, we have all the scriptures behind me on the screen. Um, But what a joy it is to be here this morning. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Chris, for that intro. Uh, How many of y'all know y'all have a great campus pastor and an amazing staff here? Would y'all honor them with me? Thank you, Pastor Chris and Katie, the whole team. You know what you do. And so, yeah, um, normally I'm at Midtown on Sundays, but I've been kind of on the, the circuit going from campus to campus preaching. And as a matter of fact, last Saturday I was at home and it was about eight o'clock and uh, Pastor David uh, was scheduled to preach at Midtown. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what am I going to do at church tomorrow? And so I was going through my mind of all the different things I could do, but then I'm like, okay, basically there's nothing for me to do tomorrow at church because I'm not on the preaching schedule. So I reached out to Pastor Eugene. Raise your hand if you know Pastor Eugene Reiser in Opelousas, or at least you've heard of him. Okay. Well, I'm on my couch watching the game, got my laptop open, and I texted Pastor Eugene, and I said, hey, if you need the day off, then uh, I'll be glad to come preach for you. And so he said, no, I got it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be out of town the following Sunday, which is today. And then like 10 minutes later, he called me back and he said, is that offer still, is that still standing? Are you, are you, are you still able to come? I said, you got it. So I uh, drove up and preached there last Sunday, had a blast. As a matter of fact, that's where, that's where it all started for, for us. We moved here 10 and a half years ago and our first year of ministry here was, well, here I say in Louisiana, it was actually in Opelousas. So uh, I got to spend a year there ministering there, and then we have been all over the place ever since. Uh, we ministered here for um, about a year. Uh, do I have any, is anyone here who actually attended Oxano Bible Institute back in the day? Okay, like three, <laughs> three of y'all, okay. Well, uh, we, we started a Bible school here, and uh, some of you attended, not many. And then over the years, we've just gone from campus to campus. We pastored the Broussard campus for four years. Uh, any, any, anyone here ever attended the Broussard campus? Let me see some hands. Okay. Uh, so we were there four years, and then uh, four years ago, we took over the Midtown campus, and well, we've been there ever since. So we are just all over the place. But hey, this is God's house, and my posture has always been, here I am, God, send me. And apparently he likes to send me a lot of different places. So anyway, it's great, great, great to be with y'all today. And I have a word that I believe applies to every single person here without exception. And I can't always say that when I preach, but today I think I can say that in in full confidence. And so as most of you know, we are in the middle of Advent season. Okay, now let, let me... Let me ask y'all a question. Raise your hand if you know what Advent means. Like, like you really know what the word means. Let me see your hands. Y'all are playing it safe like the, uh, the, the previous service. I asked the 8 a.m., who knows what this word means? And a lot of hands went up. And I said, shout out the, the meaning of the word if you know really what it means. And then it got real quiet. <laughs> the last service raised some hands or some hands went up. It was real quiet. Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Here, here's the meaning of the word. Advent comes from the Latin term adventus, which basically means coming. Can y'all say that with me? Coming. It means, well, with respect to the season that we're in, Advent is that time of year when we look back to Jesus' what? His first coming. How many of y'all are thankful that he came the first time? 
How many of y'all are free today because he came the first time and you believe in what he did the first time? Okay, he came the first time and we see that in history, but Advent is also the time of year when we look forward to his what? Y'all are the smartest service, that's right, to his second coming. And so that, that is what, that's what Advent is really all about. And so with that theme in mind, I wanna talk to you about a word that, well, none of us like. Well, I say that. There may be one crazy person in this entire crowd who likes this word. But the, the word I'm talking about is wait. Does anyone here like to wait? Like if you got something on your mind you want to do, you ask someone, uh, hey, can I do this? And, and they tell you, wait. How many of y'all love it when they say wait? <laughs> Nobody, right? How many of y'all, if you're honest, you hate to wait? Let me see your hands. Everybody raise your hands. We hate to wait, don't we? Everyone here hates to wait because if you're anything like me, you like things your way right away. And I feel like when it comes to this topic of waiting, well, it's so relevant for me because I feel like that's pretty much all I do. For example, I feel like I spend a lot of time waiting in traffic. Anybody else? Uh, specifically waiting for the traffic to clear out on Kali Kaboom. Y'all with me? Uh, or whatever road you travel. Waiting for traffic to clear. I feel like I spend my life waiting in line to get my coffee. Waiting for people to move. Waiting for things to take place. Waiting for the breakthrough to occur. Waiting for someone to get healed. And how about this one? Waiting for my Amazon order to arrive. Raise your hands if you like to shop online. Like you prefer that. Like skip the crowd, go online. Let me see your hands. Raise, raise your hands. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, uh, me too. Like I prefer that. When I was younger, I would go in, fight the crowds, go in the stores. Uh, I'm about to turn 45. That's not old, but I'm at this season of life. I just like things simple and I like things, well, fast. Unfortunately, Amazon is not always so fast. Uh, as uh, Pastor Chris alluded to earlier, uh, yeah, I am the dean of our Safer's College. doesn't even really sound right, but I'm, I'm the dean, okay? Uh, that means I'm over the college, but what I, what I do in addition to that, I'm also a professor at Regent University and Oral Roberts University. So I'm a professor and I'm a pastor, and on the professor side of things, I have to write peer-reviewed articles, which means I have to buy books. I got to do a lot of research. Like that's the world I live in, okay? But l let me just say this. When it comes to placing my order on Amazon, I have to order a lot of books. But speaking just personally about my life, I need another book. Like Lafayette needs another car wash. <laughs> or Youngsville needs another roundabout. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But anyway, it's the world I live in, and I, and I love to go on Amazon, find my book, order my book, or whatever it is, and, and there's this thing on Amazon that it's really good for control freaks like me. It's this link that, that says track package. Do y'all track your packages? Like incessantly, like, like I love to know what's going on with my money and the things I've ordered. And if you go on Amazon, you can click track package and then, then you can watch the little line go across. You'll know what I'm talking about? Come on, control freaks. You can watch, you can watch and it starts with, with ordered and then it says what? Shipped. And then it says out for. And what's the, what's the one you're looking for? Delivered, right? 
Not the deliverance you get in church, but the deliverance that takes place when they, they bring your package and drop it off at your house. Like I will be at the church, I'll track my package, and I can't wait to see that line connect. And it'll say something like, arriving at 5 p.m. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm left waiting. Sometimes I have to wait another couple of days. Sometimes the order never comes. But when I think about this topic of waiting, when I think about this topic of ordering and receiving the order, my mind goes directly to the fact that this is really a picture of our Christian lives, isn't it? And what I mean by that is this, when you pray, let me ask you a question, who here believes in the power of prayer? There you go. Give God praise that you know he answers prayer. Come on, give him some praise. You believe in the power of prayer. Raise your hand if you pray regularly. Raise your hand if you need God to do something for you like right now, like today. Okay, yeah. Well, here's the way that it works. The moment that we pray, that's like us placing our order with God. Lord, here's what I need. I need the breakthrough. I need the healing. Lord, I need the job. I need the whatever. We pray and that's like, ordering the package, so to speak. But wouldn't it be nice if like we could get online and see the status of that order? Like, Lord, like now is the best time, but like it would be just nice to know at least that the answer is emotion. Unfortunately, there is no website for that. In place of the website, there is this thing called faith that we have to believe that when we pray, that God hears our prayers and we have to believe that God will come through on his timing, not ours. And how many of y'all know that can, be, that can be tricky? That can be really tricky. Let me give you a great quote. You can write this down if you're real smart. Just remember it. R.C. Sproul, a great preacher, once said that faith, faith means not only believing in God, faith means believing God. Y'all understand what that means. It's not just believing in God. How many of y'all believe in God? Like there's a God in heaven. Y'all believe in God? Some of y'all aren't raising your hands. Should I preach another message? Uh, Maybe so. I know you're with me. Listen, you believe in God. That's one thing. How many of y'all know it's another thing altogether in cases to believe God? That Lord, your word says it. And for us, that should settle it. But sometimes in the waiting, our faith gets tested. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Because, because oftentimes we, we pray and things don't happen as quickly as we would like them to. As a matter of fact, some of you have been praying for days, weeks, months. Some of you have been waiting for years and you still haven't received the delivery in the form of the answered prayer. Here's what I've written. See if this resonates. Waiting on God can be one of the greatest tests of our faith in God. It can be one of the greatest tests that we go through as we wait. Why is that the case? As one person said, the serpent did not slither into the Garden of Eden to call into question the existence of God. The serpent, when he tempted Eve, called into question the goodness of God. And how many of y'all know that's where we are? It's in that temptation zone, in that realm, 
the, the tempter wants to persuade you, not necessarily that God doesn't exist. He's not that stupid. I think y'all believe that he exists. But what he does is he works overtime to call into question the goodness of God in your life as you wait. And if you're in that season, or maybe I should say because you're in that season, because you're waiting on something, you have to be aware of the enemy's schemes. You have to open this word, and you've got to read this word, and you've got to profess this word. You've got to quote this word. You get it out at home. You speak it in your car. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word, y'all, will never pass away. How do you fight temptation? With the word of God. How do you fight the devil? Not with your words or my opinions, but with the word of God. Can I get a better amen? Because you believe in the power, come on church, of the word of God. And you got to stand. I'm not going to because I, I don't want to be sacrilegious or be dishonored, but you have to stand on this word. Lord, your word says it, so that settles it. I'm just trusting that your timing is impeccable. Are y'all tracking? Are y'all tracking? Watch this. Some of y'all got that. Some of y'all, ooh, watch this. But here, let me, let me give you a deep theological truth. Can I do that? I heard y'all are the smartest service. Is that true? Is that true? Y'all are, y'all are wondering. I don't know. If you're looking around, well, no, never mind. Check it out. We love the microwave, don't we? That means we like it fast. But it seems like God prefers the crock pot. Told you it was deep. (laughs) But there's a lot of substance there if you think about it. We like it right now, our way right away. But it's like God is totally different. There are times he comes through fast, quickly. And there are other times that, well, he makes us wait. Why does he do that? If he's good, Shouldn't he come through right when we pray? Hmm. Therein lies the issue. God exists. God is good, but we have to wait. <laughs> and you know, a message like this, it's, it, preaches, it preaches easy, lives hard. It's easy for me to say right now what I'm saying to you because I'm up preaching it, but when you're in the season of waiting on God, boy, it can be painful, huh? When you're waiting on that answered prayer. The point is, God is a good God. He only does good. You understand that. He works all things for your good. Notice, it's not the good things that work together for your good. That's obvious, huh? It's the good, the bad, and say it with me, the ugly. Somehow, some way, God is at work in your life, making sure that everything you face, everything you go through, somehow, some way works out for your everlasting good in Jesus Christ. I could end the service right there, take, take up an offering, and we go home. If you get that, you'll be freed by that revelation. But let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 22. I'm going to just hammer this home because somebody's going to get set free today by the preaching of the word. You're going to get a revelation. It's going to change everything in your life. Luke 2, beginning in verse 22, says this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, Mary and Joseph, brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
As it is written, parenthetically, in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the, you, you say it, holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Waiting, hold on. Those are words that usually don't go together for us, huh? I'm a little hot. Can you take that down just a bit? Righteous and devout while he was, are y'all with me? Those don't always go together. Oftentimes we are unrighteous and very sinful, grumbling and complaining while we wait. He was righteous and devout while he waited for the consolation of Israel. And I love this. And the Holy Spirit was what? was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought up the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, picture this, and blessed God as he held the Messiah and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to, your, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Boy, isn't that beautiful? What a profession, huh? And we don't know anything else about this man, Simeon, except what's right here in front of us. And just to summarize, once again, we're told by Luke that he's righteous. Simeon is righteous and he's devout. He had been waiting, everybody say waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And God made it clear to him that, that he would hold, he would see the Messiah first and then pass on. In other words, Simeon, you're going to hold the one who holds you. You're going to hold the Messiah. You're going to see the Messiah. And after that, after that promise is fulfilled, then, then you'll pass on. Wait, man, what a, what a, what a promise, huh? And we're told here, it's implied here even that, that, that Simeon waited. And we're not told all the details of how long, but Simeon waited. God spoke to him, but he had to wait. Days, weeks, we don't know exactly how long, but this brother had to wait. And Simeon could not go online, of course, and track the package. He could not get status updates. He had to just trust that what the Holy Spirit spoke to him was in fact true. And then we're told here that one day, well, it happened. After all that waiting, God kept his promise. That Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, very God of very God, left heaven, came to the earth. The Word became flesh. The infinite God became an infant, and God dwelt among us. Wow. And we're told that the parents brought Jesus to the temple. And there Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
Again, what a profession. What I want you to see here is that finally the package arrived. That Simeon waited and he waited well. We all have to wait, but not all of us have learned how to wait well. He waited well, and then it happened. The word became flesh. God dwelt among us. And it's been said that the greatest moment in human history is when man stepped foot on the moon. But I would disagree with that completely and say that the greatest moment in human history occurred when the word became flesh and God himself walked this earth. And I want you to see that Simeon got to hold the one who held him. What do I mean by that? Can I do a little theology with y'all? In Colossians 1, Paul says, all things. Everybody say all things. All things were made through the Son. All things were made for the Son. All things were made by the Son. Creation, yes, it's a Trinitarian work. The Father, Son, and Spirit had roles in creation. But Paul places the emphasis in Colossians 1 on Jesus the Son. And he says this, all things were created through him. All things are for him. All the glory is to him. But he says this, that in him... In Christ, all things hold together. All things in the cosmos, all matter in every molecule, in every marriage. Here today, we are held together. We are held in the grip of the grace of Jesus Christ. You wonder, how did I make it this far? It was luck, right? No, there's no luck in a Christian worldview. If you are saved and delivered and set free, if heaven is your home, it's because God acted on your behalf. It's because God left heaven for you. It's because God set his affection on you before time began. You didn't choose him ultimately. He chose you. He pulled you out of the pit. He pulled you out of the mud. He gave you eyes to see. He gave you a heart to feel. He gave you a destiny to walk in. It was his doing, church. It's him. And so all things, all the glory are for him. And to him, Simeon got to hold the one who held him. When we come to church and we celebrate Jesus, we're not giving him some little golf clap and you know, some little, Jesus, well, we're supposed to do this in class. Those of you who clap and you lift your voices and you do it from a heart that's transformed, that, that is the fruit of, of, of lips. That's a sacrifice of praise because you realize, maybe not in full, but at least you've got, a, you got your head around the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love. You realize that Jesus is not just some savior. He's the only savior, king of kings, Lord of lords, one who was and is and is to come, you realize that Jesus' white, hot glory is really what it's all about. And then you come to Jesus and you lift up holy hands, thinking the way and speaking the way and praising the way you do the rest of the week as you acknowledge these truths. But Simeon had to wait. And we're in the same predicament, aren't we? We are waiting for something. We are all waiting on something, on someone, for a physical healing, for a spiritual breakthrough, for a loved one to get saved, for a better job, for a greater opportunity, for 
financial relief. All of those that I've mentioned are good things to wait for. But as we wait, let's be honest. We hate the wait. Because we know God exists, we know that he's good, and we know that he could come through at any moment for us. And it seems like in some seasons that he obviously can, but he doesn't. So what do you do with that? We hate the wait for many reasons, but let me say it as simply as I can. We hate the wait because the wait can be very weighty, can't it? You got saved, perhaps here, God changed your life, and you're waiting on a spouse. But that spouse is nowhere in this sanctuary. Don't look around. I'm, I'm sure. No, that's not my place to say. You got saved and you got full of faith. You heard, you heard Pastor Randy preach on faith. Man of God, let me tell you something. You heard him preach on faith. And then you, you thought, well, I'm going to exercise my faith and then I'll have the answer. But the answer didn't come. The package hasn't arrived. You're suffering in your body. You're suffering in some way. The weight is often weighty. And let's just be honest today, as we always should be. People say, preacher, say, I'm, I'm in church. Let me be honest. You should be honest all the time. Some of you are suffering greatly right now as you sit here. At least emotionally, if not in other ways. And I love what David says in Psalm 13, verses 1 through 4. This is him giving us permission to pray this way. Listen to what he says. See if you can connect with this. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long shall that cancer be exalted over me? How long? How long? Verse 3, consider and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Now this is a psalm of lament. In it, David laments because he feels like God has forgotten him. How many of y'all know our feelings are important? And we don't want to be the kind of people as Christians who say, well, go with, go with the word. Don't worry about how you feel. Yes, at the end of the day, I'm standing on the word and trusting the word. But our feelings are important. But note this. Your feelings are important, but your feelings are not ultimate. Your feelings are indicators, but they should never be dictators. He felt like, have you felt that way? I felt. He's like saying, I feel like God has forgotten me. I feel like God has removed his covenant love from me. And he's crying out, how long, O Lord? Some of you, that's your prayer today. Maybe you didn't have these words exactly, now you do. How long, God? How long will you tarry, Jesus? How much more wicked can this world become? What has to happen before you come back? How long, O God? The answer to these questions 
is found at least in principle in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what Paul says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, read it with me, born under, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What's the answer? In the fullness of time. Jesus came not a minute too early, not a minute too late. Come on, y'all. He arrived right on time. Let me help you. As you pray, and as you wait, he will arrive right on time. Just trust that. And that doesn't mean when he arrives, everything's going to be perfect. It just means when he arrives, you have his presence, you have his promises, you have the manifest presence of God in your life, walking you through whatever you walk through. Circumstantially, let me just preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Your circumstances might get worse, but come on, you've got Christ Jesus living in you, the hope of glory. And if you've got him, it doesn't matter what you walk through because you have the God of all creation in you, in you. And it's a both and. I pray that your circumstances will change. I mean, we're not, we're not praying, Lord, I just pray for awful circumstances for the rest of my, my prayer is, Lord, do whatever around me you need to do, do whatever you need to do in me so that at the end of my life, I look a lot more like you, that I'm conformed to your image, full of your promises, entering into heaven with my chin up and my hands held high, declaring the glory of God. God was working in the world while the world waited on him, while the world waited on the Messiah. And this is where we have to take the principle and apply it to our lives. Listen to me carefully. God is working while you are waiting. You say, but I can't see it. That's the point. We walk not by sight, but we walk by. John Piper says God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now. And you're probably aware of about three of them. But you say, I need to see it. No, no, no. As a Christian, you can't place that demand on God. You just need to trust that while you're waiting, he's working. And he's cooking up something good. And it's going to be good. You just got to wait on him. What was God doing while the world was waiting? I mean, how much time you got? I can give you a two-hour history lesson, but let me just say this for the sake of time. You're welcome. This will be really brief. He was working in the nations. God worked in Alexander the Great. He worked through the Greek language. He worked through the Roman roads that were constructed by the Romans so the gospel could go forth into all the world and overcome linguistic barriers. He worked in Israel. He worked in Mary. He worked in Joseph. He worked in Simeon. And I promise he's working in you. And then in the fullness of time, not the shortness of time, but the fullness of time, after every event, every circumstance took place, those filled up, it was in the fullness of time, Messiah came. Are y'all getting this? What was God doing while the world waited for the arrival of his son? The same thing ladies you do, or you did, when you discovered that you were pregnant. I'll never forget when Kelly discovered that 
She was pregnant with her first. She pulled me in the room, sat me down, and she said, you're never going to believe this. I said, do tell. She said, I'm pregnant. And then she looks at me, and my wife is very smart, but she looked at me and she said, how did this happen? Another message. And then she pulls out the pregnancy deal, the little strip, and it was positive. It had two lines. God is my witness. I looked at those lines. I said, we're having twins? (laughs) Truly. Boy, that was stupid, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was stupid. So she she discovered she was pregnant, and then, then, then she went to work and sent me to work, Home Depot, Lowe's, all the stores, getting paint, buying stuff for the, actually bought, we bought the crib, then stuff for the crib. And then she bought our firstborn enough diapers to last him through his freshman year in college. <laughs> Why did she do that? Because she wanted to make sure that our home was just right. So when our firstborn was born into this world, we wouldn't be busy doing things for him. We could just enjoy him. How many of y'all know? That's kind of what God did for his own son. The world wasn't perfect when Jesus came, but he came at just the right time. It's just the right time. It's just the right time. Let me give you four things and we're going to go eat lunch. I'll see you at Jason's. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Four things quickly. Y'all with, y'all with me? Are y'all, are y'all okay to wait? I'm going to test you. Number one, my old pastor taught me this. Write this down, please. What God does in us while we wait is oftentimes just as important as what he does for us when he answers. Does that make sense? Let me say it a little, a little bit differently. What God does in me while I wait is oftentimes more important as what he does for me when he answers. So is it good, is it right to pray for God to answer your prayer regarding your job, material things, etc.? Is that okay to pray? It is. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I get caught up, I get so caught up in what he's, what he's doing for me, what I want him to do for me, that I miss what he's doing in me while I wait. So let me give you an example. Some are praying, God, help me build my business. And if you're praying that prayer today, praise God. May God prosper you. But perhaps a better prayer is this. God, Help me build my character while you are building my business so that as the business is built, I have the character to sustain the business and the money that comes with it and not blaspheme and dishonor your name by dumb decisions. Does that make sense? Lord, build me. Work in me. It's an easy thing for God to split the sea, cause water to come from the rock. It's it's, it's nothing for God to do that. Pray this, God, work in me. Split this rock. Work on this rock. Turn, turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Make me like you, Jesus. Make me like you, God. So when I get the blessing, I don't squander the blessing. 
And how many of y'all know it's a both and? Pray that way. Pray that God does stuff for you. But pray that God does stuff in you. Some of you today, you're wanting out of a situation. And I get it. Some of you are in situations you need to be rescued out of. I, I get it. But sometimes, sometimes, God is more interested in getting the sin and the anxiety out of you than getting you out of the situation that provoked that sin within you. So listen to me. God is after something in all of us. It's easy for him to promote you to the next season. But you've got to lift your hands and say, God, what is it in me that you're doing while I wait on you? And I promise you, get out your notebook and he'll give you a list. We want God to change our circumstances, but he's way more interested in changing us, conforming us. Let this be your prayer. God, work in me while I wait on you. Number two, we're almost there. Watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, how, everybody say how. How we wait oftentimes determines how long we wait. Look up here. My name is Pastor Scott, and I'm your friend. But I hope that deeply convicts you. Because it deeply convicts me. The most natural Adamic response, fleshly response, in times of waiting, is to grumble and to murmur and to complain. I'm not saying that's what we always do, but that's a natural response, isn't it? And listen, grumbling can be just another way of you saying to God, God, you got this one wrong, or you missed it. What about when God comes through for somebody else and you get a front row seat to that? That's a test. How are you going to respond to their blessing? Listen to me carefully. All of us here are in a season of testing, specifically with respect to waiting on God. I promise you right now, your faith and your character are being tested right now. And we hate the test, but as it said, the test will pass when you pass the test. Oftentimes that will be true in your life. Not always, but oftentimes. What does that look like? You remember the Israelites? What should have taken them 11 days? Took how long? Who knows it? Shout it out. Yeah. And one of the chief sins of the people of God involved their complaining and their murmuring against Moses and by extension, God. Well, at least back in Egypt, we could eat. At least back in Egypt, we had sustenance. Moses, you brought us out here so that we're, we're gonna die. Now, we don't say that verbatim, but it's sometimes our, our heart speaking that way. It's, it's Lord, you, you brought us out of slavery, out of our previous lives, you brought us out of sin. But Lord, you haven't provided the spouse, you haven't provided the job, I can't have any fun, I can't go out like I used to, I can't we go down all the reasons that we, we, we were frustrated. At least back in Egypt, I could have a boyfriend, someone said. At least back in Egypt, I had a girlfriend. At least back then and there, I could have fun, but now I'm saved and Pastor Chris, did you bring me into this relationship through your preaching and through the prayer so that my life would be miserable? 
No, we preach Christ and Christ crucified so that you, by faith in him, can enter into the fullness of joy that can only be found in Christ. And if you haven't found it yet, it's because you gotta go deeper in the word. You gotta find out what the promises of God are. You gotta know who God is. If you wanna graduate the season that you're in, Philippians 4 tells us, I think, how to do that. Receive this as the word of the Lord to you, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I'm belaboring the point. I need you to wait here with me. The fog is thick. I can't land. Check it out. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about, about what? Anything. Pretty much covers it, huh? But in what? By and with, here's what I want you to get, with what? Thanksgiving, let your order be placed to God. Let your request be made known to God. Verse seven, here it comes. When you do, verse seven, and the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, parenthetically, hopefully also your mouths, as we, as we trust in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? Don't be anxious, about your life. Don't worry about the timing. Instead, lift your voices, lift your hands, and give thanks and give praise to God. And let it be your prayer while you're waiting. God, if you never do another thing for me, oh God, you've already done too much. Someone said, well, you give me one reason I should be thankful. And I said, let me give you one. I'll give you about 50, but let me start with this one. You're alive today. Let me give you another one. You have breath in your lungs. You've got a beat in your chest. You've got the spirit within. You've got people all around. You've got the promises of God ahead. Come on, y'all. We've got a lot to be thankful for. So God, thank you for these circumstances. They didn't surprise you. No, you ordained them so I could walk in them. And by walking in them, you're gonna change me and conform me to your image. And you're working all things for my good. And even if I die early, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Do y'all hear this? Do y'all believe this? To die is gain. This whole thing's rigged. If you live, as you live, you win. When you die, you really win. People say, Pascal, you believe in the prosperity gospel? Oh, yeah. I believe that Jesus died to make you spiritually rich. And if you've got a lot of earthly riches, you don't have to apologize for that. Invite me over for lunch, take me out to dinner, be a blessing. Everything we need is found in him. The secret, Elizabeth Elliot says, is Christ in me, not me in another set of circumstances. Lord, thank you. Can we lift our hands right now? All across this place, Holy Spirit of God, we thank you. We worship you. Come on, lift your hands right now. Begin to lift your voices right now. Just tell him thank you right now. Say thank you, God. Just say thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your voices right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Husbands, grab, grab your wife's hands and grab, grab her hand. Say thank you, God. 
If you've got friends with you right now, grab their hand. Say, thank you, God. As you hold up the word of God, day in, day out, as you live the word of God, thank you for the word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this community. Thank you, Lord, for our place in it. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Christ, you came the first time, and Christ, you're gonna come a second time. We thank you. Come on, y'all, thank him today. Give him praise right now. Just be giving praise right now. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We extol you, King Jesus. We thank you for every good thing. Come on, give him more. We love you, King Jesus. We deserve no good thing. But in you, we have every good thing. Give him more right now. Come on, some of y'all are behind in your praise. Give him praise today. Give him thanksgiving. Come on, you're not done. My voice is almost done, but yours isn't. Come on, give him more. Give him more. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. Come on, just wait on the Lord with me. Oh, we get used to quick in, quick out. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Just wait on the Lord right now. I'm not even gonna finish my notes. I've said enough. Just wait on the Lord. Wait, just don't, don't move. Wait on the Lord. Say this with me. Holy, holy, holy. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we acknowledge your presence in this place. Oftentimes we pray, God, come. Holy Spirit, come. That's okay. But right now, I want you to acknowledge the fact that the Holy Spirit has come. He is in you and with you. That's pretty close. Lord, help us. Help us become more aware that you are in us and with us. Lord, your saints have been waiting on you. Some for physical healing, some for breakthrough in their marriage. Some of you are so frustrated with your spouse. You want him, you want her to get the revelation and to get the breakthrough. Some of you have been waiting on, a, on an offer. You've been waiting. And my prayer for you right now is that in this Advent season, you would receive every good thing that you've asked God for. But Jesus, we pray right now that you would split the heavens. You came the first time. The first time. We pray that you would come again. Come on, let's lift our hands one more time. Come, 
Lord Jesus, come. Come on, church, let's cry out. Come on, let's cry out. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Rip the sky wide open. Hear your people calling this afternoon. Come, Lord Jesus. Right every wrong. Raise the dead. Quicken the saints. Jesus, come on that white horse spoken of in Revelation 19. Come to tread your enemies under your feet, to tread out the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Come and save your people. Come and rescue us. Come and deliver us, we pray today. Here we cry out at the Lafayette campus. We cry out and and ask for you to do what you promised to do, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Your people are waiting on you. Just one more minute. Oh God, you're here now by your spirit. Breaking yokes. I don't want to mess anything up. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us this afternoon. Bless everyone here at the sound of my voice. Let your face shine upon them and their families. Give us rest in you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.